Welcome to episode number 109 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is the podcast for building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're giving a bit of a different type of case study. We're going to be talking around a facility that had multiple incidents over time and what the true cost of ignoring your combustible dust challenges is. So as I often do, in this case, I was reviewing a facility that we kind of had our eye on, a facility that's had multiple fires and, and explosions in the past. And we do this. We sort of track you know, these facilities over time to see how they're making out. And unfortunately, when I checked back in on this facility, I found that they had put in a notice that they were shutting down. This was pre-COVID. The time I'm recording this is November 2019. But the, the article that I found was late last year saying they were shutting down the facility. So I believe it shut down now. And I was kind of sad for a moment. I sort of thought back. I'd been tracking the facility for a while and wondered if the difficulties they were having with combustible dust played a role in shutting this down and removing the facility, removing the the jobs and the employees, the workers. And I just kind of want to talk a bit about that. So the article I mentioned did say that, you know, it was, it was marking conditions that caused them to shut down that. So they're not outright saying that it was anything to do with their combustible dust safety or the fires or the challenges they were having. I'm not going to talk about this episode, but I think it is interesting to, to talk about this true cost of ignoring your combustible dust challenges. So I'm not going to name the company in this episode. Um, I don't have all the information here. I have a handful of uh, fire investigation reports, have some OSHA citations. I've sort of cobbled together a timeline, cobbled together different aspects of this case study, I guess, but I don't have enough information to say that this is true or factual. So we're not going to be talking about the company specifically. I'm just going to be talking about sort of the, the general information around this case. So this facility itself was built back in 2016, late 2016. They had three to four dozen employees and were located in a town of about 2,000 people. So a pretty large employer, you know, pretty good employment opportunity for the people in that, uh, in that town. We're going to go into the timeline a little bit. We're going to go into describing some of the incidents from these fire investigation reports uh, and we're going to go into some kind of notes on other parts of this, other challenges with the facility. But just by sort of a high-level background, the facility was was built in December 2016. Like I said, in the three-year period that it was operating, um, actually within two years of starting operations, they had uh, at least six fires, and one of those resulting from a dust explosion that uh, injured a, a worker with first and second degree burns and sent him to the hospital. They had five OSHA citations, or sorry, five OSHA inspections, three with citation penalties. They had uh, numerous equipment damages from these fires, from the explosions. They had challenges with building permits, they had challenges with lawsuits, challenges with uh, fines from their municipality, all around different topics related to fire and explosion safety, but in particular, combustible dust. So it's a bit of a timeline. So again, they opened in December 2016. Within a few months... They had a fire that destroyed their wet scrubber. There's not a lot of information on this fire, but it actually played a big role in the public perception of the company. Um, some of the lawsuits that we'll talk about later. A few months later in June 2017, they had a baghouse fire, which uh, resulted in $200,000 in damages. In July, so the next month, they had a, a dust explosion that injured a worker, um, also resulted in, in OSHA fines. In October that same year, they had a consultant come in to do a walkthrough and review of their combustible dust program. Not a full dust hazard analysis, but just sort of this walkthrough to give them an idea of where they're at on combustible dust safety. Unfortunately, in February 2018, they had another scrubber fire that destroyed their scrubber again. 
we'll talk about why this is important towards the end of this, this podcast episode. In March, they have listed uh, OSHA citation penalties related to combustible dust. It doesn't give any, any information on if that was an inspection or what happened to cause those citations, but there were more citations in, in March of 2018. In May and November and December of 2018, they had fires again in their dust collection system. Um, at least six again over this two-year period from December 2016 to December 2018. And then the following year, December 2019, is when the article came out saying that they were shutting down. So quite a big number of fires, quite a big number of equipment loss, injuries to employees, uh, sort of a, you know, a story that you don't want to hear for combustible dust. So I talk about some of these incidents in particular. Uh, again, this information is from fire investigation reports um, that are publicly available that we've uh, we pulled on on this uh, case study here. So in June 2017, this fire in the baghouse, this was the fire a few months after they, they had their wet scrubber be destroyed in a fire. So what happened is they shut down the process to repair a mixer. And those repairs took longer than they had anticipated. So having that auger shut down longer than is anticipated allowed more wet material into the process. This wet material sits, sticks to the sides of the drum dryer and starts to burn off. Um, in this case, and in many of the other fires that they experienced, those burning embers got sucked into the conveyance system and eventually end up in the dust collector where they, they cause a fire. So it does mention the fire marshal's report here that there was a spark detection system and it did detect the sparks going in the dust collector, but it failed to activate a suppression system because the electrical breaker tripped when the detection system activated the suppression system. So that system that was installed but didn't operate correctly to stop the fire in the dust collector. The fire marshal's report estimates the loss at $200,000 for the, the bag house and in this fire. Also notes that there have already been multiple fires to this facility and most appearing to be at similar origin and cause. So again, it doesn't specifically say what these fires are, but it does kind of hint at, you know, these scrubber fires and things that earlier were of similar origin and, and nature of, as this uh, incident as well. A month later in July of 2017, they had a dust explosion that injured an employee. I couldn't find much information on this other than that it had happened. Uh, but looking at the consultant report that they had come in, the consultant does note that the explosion that had happened occurred in the conveying system or the ducting rather between the dust collector and the fan. And that's where the explosion happened. And we'll talk about this a little bit later, but in the consultant report there, they say that the company then went on to add explosion vents on their own to that section of, of, of ducting. So in June, they had a, a June, 2017, they had a fire in the bag house, July, 2017, they had a dust explosion injured employee. So almost a year later now, they had a fire in the dust collector fan system so this would be right about the same location that the dust explosion happened almost a year earlier. The fire marshal report notes that there was five fires already at this facility. So I think we've accounted for at least two or, or at least three of these. Um, there's still two that I can't quite figure out when they happen, but that happened sometime between um, this incident and when the facility opened. In this case, the maintenance staff reported burning dust underneath the fan unit that's located on ground level. Earlier in the day, they had pulled some of the material away with shovels and appeared discolored. Uh, and eventually, they noticed a fire in this area and a fire in the uh, fan system. They put out the fire by pouring water into the dust collection unit. Uh, and it doesn't state how much the loss was for this, uh, this equipment fire. 
in November of 2018, they had a similar fire again. And this one I had to, I had to read a couple times. Um, it looks like a big section of the fire marshal's report was copy and pasted from the May incident. That's how similar it was. Um, the part about the fan, about the processing operation, how the fire started, is the exact same words that was in the May 2018 fire. Um, so that's how similar and how routine they were seeing fires at these facilities. Now they're just copying and pasting from one to the other. because It's like uh, same things happened again. This report did talk a bit about the difficulties the fire department was having. The building itself was not was still on temporary permit as a building under construction. So the firefighting or the fire department mentioned that they don't have the ability to enforce the fire code because it's still under the building code officials because it's set as a, a building under construction with a temporary permit. Later in December 2018, there appears to be a fire in the dust collector again reported by the National Fire Incident Reporting System. This is in some supplemental material that has a date stamp that I can't quite figure out on it. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking it's December 2018. It said this fire started when the workers were removing filters from the bag house. One employee had used a grinder to cut the bolt holding the, the filters in place. And that ended up igniting a fire in the bag house hopper down below. So I include that one just because it kind of shows the level of awareness and the level of safety that's going on at this facility. So they've had all these fires. They've had things where they've installed their own explosion venting. They've had some um, injured employees had some other things we'll talk about later in this podcast episode go on. At that point, they're still doing things like having hot work going on inside the dust collector while there's still combustible material around. So that level of awareness just isn't there. The level of, of understanding of the hazards and the risks associated with these materials still isn't there. So it gives you an idea of just some of the incidents that uh, occurred over this two-year period leading up to before the, the facility was shutting down. I'll just do the, the quick summary. In June of 2017, we talked about a fire in the bag house. July of 2017, we talked about a dust explosion that injured an employee. In May of 2018, we talked about a fire in the dust collection system again, in the fan and the ducting between the, the, the fan and the dust collector. Exact same thing, enough that it was copy and paste um, in November of 2018, and then a hot work fire in December of 2018. So a couple notes from this consultant report. They did have or it seems like they were forced to have a consultant come and look at the facility. They did a, a walkthrough and a review. So not a full dust hazard analysis, not a full assessment, but just um, some information for the company. So they did test the dust and found that it was explosible. They recommended isolation and explosion protection on the dust collector. They couldn't see venting on the dust collector, but they were told that there were explosion doors on the top of the unit, which the consultants state that it is allowed if they're designed correctly. There were now vents in the ducting between the dust collector and the exhaust fan. This is the, the location of where the employee was injured when they had an explosion that blew that ducting open previously. These were installed by the company after the explosion causing injury, but not done with the benefit of, of vent sizing data or calculations. And then inside the facility, they did talk about fugitive dust and host keeping. There was a program in place for the cleaning of the floor, but there was dust buildup on the walls and on elevated surfaces. So in short, the, the facility, and this is a verbiage from the report, currently operates with an elevated risk of flash fire and dust explosion hazards. So let's give you an idea of some of the recommendations. I didn't want to go completely into the report. Again, we're going to keep this um, anonymous for the incident itself, but just to give you some idea of some of the hazards that were there. The big thing I pulled away from this is the lack of isolation and the, the potential there for one of those fires in the exterior dust collector 
to get back into the building if they do have a deflagration. And then having a secondary explosion that's large enough to cause a catastrophic loss of an entire building and the dozens of, of occupants that are potentially inside. So I want to close out just with a couple of other challenges from this, this review of this um, couple-year case study. One was on building code enforcement. So as I mentioned earlier, the building was constructed on a temporary certificate of occupancy. When this expired, there's a letter from the building code enforcement agency saying that they can't get their full certificate of occupancy until the things that are mentioned or that are recommended in the walkthrough report are addressed and also until they have a combustible dust management plan. Specifically, the building code enforcement says without that plan, the building would be classified as a, an H occupancy or a high hazard facility. So there's these other challenges with you know dealing with your fire code, dealing with your building codes, when you have these combustible dust challenges that are going unmitigated and unaddressed inside your facility. Then last, there's quite a bit of public outcry. Um, one, the, the biggest concern from the public was around the wet scrubber. So when they burned out their wet scrubber first, just a couple months after opening, it had a very bad smell, we'll say, throughout the, the small town there. And this was enough to, to really, over months, um, upset the residents. A class action lawsuit was filed. Uh, at one point, the facility was being fined $500 every day that they had odors, and this was most days. Uh, so there's a big challenge here. And they actually had rebuilt and put in new wet scrubber um, after the first one, and almost a year to the day of the first fire, a second fire happened, which destroyed that wet scrubber as well. So that's it for this kind of short case study, but just talking through the true cost of ignoring your combustible dust challenges. As I mentioned at the outset, I don't know if, you know, these challenges with combustible dust, not having a combustible dust management plan or safety program in place is what put this company out of business. I'm not sure. I can't say that for sure, but there are a lot of takeaways from this. You have an employee, first and most importantly, you have an employee with first and second degree burns while the facility's only been operating for a couple of years. We have equipment damage. Uh, they burned up their bag house system at least five times. The original fire marshal report says an estimated cost of $200,000. It's hard to know if that's true. It depends on how to what degree they fixed it, I guess. But if you have five of those at $200,000 pop, you're talking a million dollars in equipment damages just for the dust collector, not including the fans, not including other systems. They burned up two wet scrubbers. They had at least two OSHA fines totaling more than $50,000. Uh, and they were having up to $10,000 a month per month in local fines for the odors coming from the facility. Likely more fines for operating without a building permit, maybe some lawyer costs from the lawsuits from the, the public in that as well, combustible consulting fees. They all tie together in what eventually would be millions of dollars in costs, real true bottom line dollar costs to the facility for not addressing this problem in the first place. Potentially even more important than that, they were operating at a condition of a very increased risk and high chance of a catastrophic dust explosion. They had many, many fires in that dust collection system. If they did get a deflagration that propagated back towards the facility, unisolated, and made it into the facility, they could have a case where that ruptures the ducting, disperses dust that's on the elevated surface and walls, and have an entire facility loss type explosion that could, could cause a lot of loss. So they were operating that entire time with that as an increased risk of happening as well. So that's it for this episode. I just want to go through this kind of case study. Like I said, when I was reading through 
and looking back in on this company and then realized that they had shut down, I was sad. You know, it's some it's a company I've been following for a while, trying to see if it's gonna get better over time. But I I do question and wonder whether and in what ways not addressing the challenge with combustible dust led to this company not making it, led to these employees um, losing their job, led leading to this employee being injured. Thankfully, it didn't go any farther than that and cause anything um, more severe. These are the true costs of ignoring your combustible dust challenges. Do I think they could have mitigated and handled their combustible dust for less than a couple million dollars? Yes, I do. I know they could. Um, and that would have, uh, you know, potentially had the company still running today, potentially would have made things a lot safer. So I appreciate you listening to this episode as I do all previous episodes. We will put a transcript of this podcast episode up at dustsafetyscience.com slash 109. Be a nice PDF download. You can go there and download that if you want to flip through and read this episode as well. Now that I want to say have a, a great week ahead. I appreciate everything you're doing in industries handling combustible dust. I hope you have a, a safe and productive week coming up.